Welcome back to another episode of Chappy Chats. I hope you've had a good week. I've had a fairly good week, and it looks like next week will be good, especially in the fact that we still need some rain, and they're forecasting it, but not all the storms that go with it, which is a good thing. We don't need the storms. Well, this morning as we were talking with some friends, um, I was asked the question, how do we get to the end of our rope? How especially does somebody who's been faithful in their Christian walk and knows that God's there, has told other people that God's there, and yet in the end gets to the end of their rope and ties it into a knot and hangs himself? Now, I don't know if this person they were talking about literally hung themselves, but the point is they decided to end their life. And it was baffling to my friend how this could occur. But I think I know how it could occur and why so many times it does occur. And I'm going to give you some thoughts on that from a Christian perspective and in relationship to a spiritual person. Now, a person who doesn't know God, doesn't claim that there is a God or another life, this may not make any sense to and may not be a good explanation at all. But I wanted to address this fact from what my friend said today. As I thought about this idea throughout the day, I've mulled over different scenarios and different ways and explanations. And one of the explanations I gave earlier to my friend was that when you get to hopelessness, there's nothing, not God, not faith, not modern medicine, not science. There's nothing when you come to the point of hopelessness that can give you any idea that there's a light at the end of your tunnel and it's more than an oncoming train. And I first want you to realize that that's where people get is they get to a point of hopelessness and they see no way out. Another thing I explained to my friend from the research that I know is that our greatest instinct is to stay alive, but sometimes we can't get past the fact that we hurt so bad in this situation or this person who we do not see as ourselves, we see it as a problem and don't realize, as research has shown, that it's us, but it's this problem. And so people end up taking their life, and they really didn't see it that they were taking their life. They saw that here's a problem, and the solution is to get rid of this problem. But that led me to think to some more things. And so specifically, how does a person who seemingly has a great faith, a great belief in that they're going to heaven, that there is a God, and there is a place of hope, a place that has no more tears, no more sorrows, no death. How can we get to the point that we would desire death over living until we reach the end of our days that this God, this Creator, has ordained? And the more I thought about that today... I think it's based on the idea that most of our religion, in a lot of cases, is based on performance on our part and not on the perfection of God's part. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that in the whole time I was growing up, it was pounded into me that you've got to be a good Christian. You can't sin. You can't say dirty words. You can't have thoughts or look places you shouldn't, uh, you can't cuss, you can't uh, gamble, um, can't have sex outside of marriage, you can't, you can't, you can't. 
and it never really expressed anything about being. It never really expressed anything about that God was the creator of the covenant and that God was the keeper of the covenant. It also emphasized the verses that says you should be without sin and you should be perfect as he is perfect. And that causes a lot of consternation in people. I don't know about you, but me, I can go maybe 10 minutes some days and I'm already stepping over the line. Sometimes I can go a whole day, maybe a half week or a week. Maybe sometimes I can string a month along, but I can't live in perfection all the time. And so I think when we look at it as performance and we don't realize that we're not saved based on our performance, but we are saved based on His perfection and sinlessness. He, our Creator, sent His Son in the Christian belief system who died for us. And that was an atonement for us that paid for our sins. Now, we get a little confused because we also not only think about it as a performance, but the other side of it was, as I got older, I found these people saying, well, God loves you, and God wants to bless you, and God wants to give you all this good stuff. And one of their favorite verses was, I know the plans that God has for you, not for evil, but for good. Now, I believe that, but in saying that God has plans for us for good, nowhere does it say that bad things won't happen to us, that bad circumstances won't come into our life, either by our choices or the actions of others. And in fact, he tells us in other places in the Scripture that when we face diverse trials, that we should rejoice in them, not rejoice in the pain, not rejoice that we're having trouble, but because we're grounded in God and because we look at God, then we can have this bring us to maturity. And so I think that's the biggest two problems, is that either we're on the one side of the fence that we expect that there's going to be no trouble in our life at all once we confess Jesus, once we start to live for Him, that we're never going to misstep again, and nothing bad is going to happen to us. But yet, one of my favorite verses is, Rejoice in everything, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't believe that means I should rejoice in something bad happening to me, but I believe that God is perfecting me, and sometimes because of my own stupid choices or bad choices or the stupid or bad choices of others, there is injury to me. But like a broken bone that doctors know heals back even stronger in that broken place, if I'll embrace Christ and embrace the idea that He is able to work good, not that what's happening is good, but He's able to work good, then I can endure those hardships and I don't get to a point of hopelessness. Now, on the other side of the fence, if I see it's all on me, then I got to get baptized and take communion at the right time, and I got to study every day and have a devotion and have a prayer time and give to missionaries and show up to the church every time the door is opened. And my performance is based on me getting it right all the time. Well, we know that's just not right. And so 
I see how people can come to hopelessness. So, as I end this today, I want you to really realize if you're struggling at some point in your life and you're thinking about you're not good enough or you don't deserve it or you'll never get there no matter how hard you try, or you're looking at the other side that, man, too much is happening to me, and you're kind of like the old hee-haw gloom, despair, and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. If you're on that side of the fence, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about Him. I'll end, like I said, in one other podcast. Peter's problem was not his lack of faith. It was his focus. He got out of the boat. He walked toward Jesus. And let me tell you, once you get out of the boat of comfortableness that you're in, because you're just kind of drifting along, you're lukewarm, as the book of Revelation says, and you're not rocking the boat any at all. You're just passing through the storm and hoping the waves don't overtake you. Once you get out of that boat, there's going to be a storm. But the storm doesn't matter if you're looking at the master. And Peter forgot that. And people who are trying to perform, doing all that stuff right, they can come to hopelessness because their performance will never be enough, but his was. Or if you're thinking that because you're having bad times that he's abandoned you, know those bad times are bringing you through to him. Blessing, protection, and favor until we meet again.